episode of Money Lab. I'm your host, Matt Top Hat Givenisi, and we have a very special guest on the show. Instead of the normal episode I do with Andrew, joining me is the founder of DoubleYourFreelancing.com and the co-founder of WriteMessage.com, Brennan Dunn. Brennan, thanks for coming on again. <laughs> Happy to, Matt. Yeah. I mean... Uh- uh, no one I heard mean, the first episode. You know, it's it's these things where you get this crazy, ridiculous mic and uh, and you know, honestly, you're to blame for this, but you get this stuff, <laughs> and um, yeah, it just confuses the hell out of Mac OS. You know what? And it's <laughs> it, it is not the easiest thing. I, like uh, any sort of audio interface with a computer is just it's still not there yet. I think for me, at least, I'm no, I have no background in any audio engineering stuff at all, and I just want it to sound good, so I buy whatever. I'm told to buy, but I have zero idea what I'm doing. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah, that's how I felt about cameras when I first got into cameras. I'm like, what do I have to buy in order to make my face look good? Because I don't know what I'm doing. And then I had to learn about the uh, triangular exposure. The, you know, uh, yep, exactly. I have no idea. (laughs) I learned that and I was like, oh, okay. I kind of get cameras now, but you really, you know, I still make mistakes over and over again. But audio, I feel like I know pretty well. Cool. Cool. I'm I'm getting there, hopefully. Yes. And you'll be, you'll be good to go. Are you ever going to start a podcast? Like what was the audio stuff for? Yes. Yeah, so, well, the audio stuff was, I go on enough that I wanted to do it right. And I, you know, I bought a new office. So I wanted it all to be done correctly from the get go. Mm-hmm. So I got the camera gear. I got the audio gear, uh, the audio stuff. Like I have a shotgun mic over there. So that goes with a camera, mm-hmm. but this, I just kind of swivel out whenever I'm doing one of these. So, I mean, this is good for, I also do screen recording. So when I do, I have a few courses that are screencasts. So this is what I use for those. Um, that makes sense. But yeah, I, we are, we are kind of working on a podcast for right message. It's still haven't made really any headway at all yet, but it's something we want to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just not there yet. Would it just be you or are you going to have like a uh, co-host? I'm not sure. Um, Okay. Probably a co-host from the team. We're not sure if we yeah. want to do interview style or if we want to do more kind of like surfacing data that we've been collecting about customers and telling people like what people are doing, what's working, what isn't. Um, I don't know if I want to do another interview format yes. podcast, to be honest. Yeah, I would certainly lean more towards the latter. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I mean, like that's how I learn is when I hear what other people are doing very well. I know that that fares well with the interview show, but... Um, but even with this show, which I mean, we're gonna we're gonna really get into in a second. But this show is more. I try to have a conversation about a very specific topic with somebody who knows a little bit more, rather than look at it as like, so tell us a little bit about yourself. What are you it's kind like, of the standard? I, I, yeah, you know, to be honest, I had a podcast for my freelancing site, and when it became a, it, it, it always had been an interview style show and mm-hmm. you would just get on these like email lists of people who are doing their book tour or doing yep. something. And it's pretty much the same, like it's pretty canned and, and that's what a lot of people kind of expect of you and yep. send me your questions in advance. And I'm like, I just want to pretend it's like Matt and I hanging out at a bar right. talking shop. Like, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, that's like, I did, I did one. I'm, I'm like currently on that booking tour like uh-huh. we hired a company to book for us and it's been the first podcast that i actually did was yesterday okay. and it was just tell us a little bit about yourself 
Uh, okay. Well, it's not a question, but uh, where do I start? Okay. So, um, <laughs> well, my parents had sex in the back of a Ford Bronco, and it's like, no, 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 no. Um, so then, like, it's uh, what was the, the questions like? What is what inspires you the most? And like, oh, what, I hate what, this question like, so much. Just like very canned. Yeah. I'm like sitting there going like, I don't know. Or one of the questions I had that I could not answer was, um, tell us something people don't know about you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, I have a weird growth in my taint area. It's like, what do you want me to tell you? I've, I'm a pretty open book online. Like, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I just, even things like what, what's your favorite book or whatever trips, trips me up. Cause I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I just don't, I yeah. think some people just have these scripted responses to all of these questions and they're used to them, but I've always struggled. Cause I just don't maybe, like, maybe I should like, just have like a book of, of Matt's questions and then send that out as like a pre-interview thing. Like, here's all the things I'm going to say, right. you know, and it's like, I'll make it really overly complicated, <laughs> but who knows? I, yeah, I, I'm not a real big fan of that style, but you know. Here we are having a conversation. Hopefully, that's not very interview focused. Even interview. though I have questions, yeah, yeah, and we've done this before that no one's heard, and I've actually kind of changed a little bit of my questions. So I was hoping um, for that. I, yes. I wasn't sure if we were going to try to mirror because honestly, I don't even remember everything we talked about. So I don't even. Well, that's probably good. I, too. I think like there, you know, I I enjoy this because I come in. Uh, unprepared in the best way possible where I don't right. have an agenda and I just want to kind of see where we get. So, yeah. And I, and I mean, I do have an agenda, but I just want to learn some stuff and you know, more shit than I do about a very specific topic. And that's what I'm going to get out of you. Sweet. Awesome. Cool. All right, here we go. So in this episode specifically, we are going to talk about increasing conversion rates through segmentation and personalization on both your website and your email marketing efforts. But before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Money Lab Pro. You've been asking for it, and I finally made it. Money Lab Pro is a membership where you can access every single one of my online business courses and chat with me and other like minded business owners in the members only Money Lab Pro community. You'll also get access to my SEO, monetization, and blogging video courses, my YouTube and podcast video tutorials, my lightning fast WordPress theme, and so much more. I did the math, and Money Lab Pro includes over 155 over-the-shoulder video lessons and growing. Not to mention, it includes access to templates, processes, and spreadsheets that I use to run all my online businesses. And like I mentioned before, Money Lab Pro also includes a members-only community where you can share your ideas and get expert feedback to help you earn more money with your online business. Go to moneylab.co slash pro right now to sign up. It's super affordable and there's no reason not to check it out. That's moneylab.co slash pro. All right, so we're talking about our website and email marketing for, or optimizing our website and email marketing for increased conversion rates, aka more sales, because I don't really know why else you'd want to increase your conversion rates unless it's to make more money. So this is something I've talked about on this show in the past. We've obviously chatted about it a few times, um, and so I'm glad to have you back, even though this is technically the first time, to talk about segmentation and personalization when it comes to the online space. So, and, 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 and making sales. My first, um, 
thought was, I, I, and I don't know, I, I feel like there is a moment where it clicks or it's like, oh shit, everything's going to change. I, I'm, I'm sort of like, in my mind, I'm going to pivot to this thing, right? When did the idea of personalization and segmentation, like this extreme version of it forced to increase sales really just sort of like hit for you and and you went, Oh fuck game changer. I'm, I'm, I'm going down a rabbit hole. Yeah. So I think that, I think it really, you know, funny enough, um, I was doing my first kind of online business. I was running a, I started and ran a, a small project management tool called PlanScope, And this is back in, 2011, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had that realization that most new software company owners have of like, holy shit, how do I get customers? Right. Like, how do I like get people you, to actually like care about this? You spend all this time building. Yeah. This I fucking, was kind of yeah. doing the like hide in your cave and build kind of thing back then, which is so easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's safer. Right. It's safer um, and fun. Yeah. So I built this thing. I launched it. I did get, you know, to be honest, I did build up a kind of a early access list just from like Twitter and hacker news. I want to yeah, say. Yeah. But, um, you know, long story short, I'm, I'm running this thing. It's needing to pay my bills quickly, hopefully. Sure. So mm-hmm. I did the content marketing thing. Right. So I built up a, uh, a blog. And fortunately, it was kind of so the software company was project management software positioned towards freelancers and agencies. Mm-hmm. So I started writing about everything I had learned freelancing and running an agency uh, with the hope that people would Google for that, find articles, and then maybe sign up for this thing. So that was the goal. And then I learned from people a lot smarter than me that you can't just get somebody who is Googling around for how do I write a proposal to get in the mindset of signing up for software. So you need to build an email list because they're not looking for software. They want to know how to oh. write a proposal, right? They're not looking. And, and, you're, and your mind, you say that, and immediately I'm like, well, no, because it makes sense. Like, hey, you're you're reading something about how to write a proposal, and it's like, but we also have software for you that's freaking exactly what you need. Yeah, but they're, they're hunting for info at that point, right? So they're going to Google right. with questions. So I, and this is, you know, best practice now, but you know, the mm-hmm. whole thing of build an email list first and then sell to them later was w- kind of the, the model I went in. Right. So I didn't do any paid ads. I didn't do any cold outreach or anything like that. It was, I wanted it all to be people searching for stuff on Google, finding content, and then signing up for plan scope. But that disconnect of like searching for content and signing up, um, how that was fixed, which is what I've done ever since is build up an email list of people. Um, so instead of read info and then, Hey, put in your credit card and start a trial for this software thing that you're not looking for. Instead, it became put in your email address and I'll send you over the next five days tips on how to be a better freelancer. So they're looking for information already. Here's some more information, but it'll cost you an email. So that's what I did. And you, and you work them into, Hey, that we have this thing. Yeah. So the goal would be once they're on my list, then over email, I can like mention plan scope. So I did the the thing that I think people still do to this day, which to me was, it became this big eye opener was I wanted it to be that whenever I produced new articles, I would email that list. I was building the latest content. Mm -hmm. Um, and then hopefully from there, since it was on like plan scopes site slash blog, 
they'd like find the start a trial button or something, right? Yeah. And then they do that. Um, but, you know, programmer me was like, well, can I just pass something in when I email my list to a blog post that says they're on my list? And then that area where I'm usually putting the thing that gets them into my email list, can I just tell them to sign up for a trial there? So instead of so, instead of showing them the email signup form, which you don't have to show them because they're already clearly on your list already. Can yep. I show them something else? Yeah. And I knew that was like technically the easiest thing in the world to do. It was just sure. basically if, an if else. Yeah. Right. So like if this is in the URL, show the start a trial, else show the opt-in form. And that was right. It. You're just you're just passing in uh URL variables. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's what I that was kind of the beginnings for me, right? Because I knew that having built so many web apps for myself and clients that the web browser, Chrome, Safari, whatever, doesn't care if this is Facebook it's looking at or, you know, Brennan's blog. It, it's just, it's a, another web page and Facebook and any web app, you know, they work in such a way where this is Brennan's Facebook feed, this is Matt's Facebook feed or whatever. And these mm-hmm. are your friends, not my friends. So mm-hmm. why not do something similar where, oh, I know you, you've already you're already on my list. And then I already know you, you know, have an account or something. What if I can just work with that data? So that's where things started out for me, at least was just thinking like, what can I do with this? I wasn't even thinking in terms of segmentation on, on like, who is this person and what do they need? It was strictly like, what data do I have about you and how can I use that to make it? So whatever I want you to do next is more likely to happen. Sounds like a programmer thing to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was. Yeah. When, yeah. when you said um, you learned about this idea from people smarter than you, um, when who was that? Like, do you have a specific person? Do you have a specific like blog where you're like, oh shit, that's wow, that's yeah. the thing I missed. So three people back in 2011 were doing it well: uh, Amy Hoy, Patrick McKenzie, and Ruben Gomez of BidSketch. So okay. they were all like Amy and Ruben especially were. They had a SaaS company and they had blog content that um, was meant to just, you know, get people to sign up for their SaaS. Which company was that? So Amy had Freckle, uh, uh-huh. time tracking tool, which yep. they've renamed. I forgot the new name. Um, they Ruben, did? Yeah, like a year huh. ago or something. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Ruben had BidSketch, which was like the first proposal software. or yep. Something like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, he was just hiring blog uh, people to write blog posts and Google was sending him traffic and then he would get people on his email list and then sell them on BitSketch over email. And so you do that with PlanScope. Yeah, exactly. Did That's you what write I all those e- did you write all those blog posts or did you hire people? I was doing it all myself. Um mm-hmm. mostly because there was a lot of stuff I wanted to write about my days consulting. Yeah. And okay. I didn't just want to do like the whole like pay a few hundred bucks to somebody in the Philippines to churn out a five hundred word article thing. I wanted it to right. be like my own experience at first. So did it work? It kind of did. <laughs> it okay. built up an email list. It didn't really do well for selling PlanScope. And I think it's just because PlanScope was never that great of a product. But it uh, did get me to the point where I was, you know, I, I started getting in conversations with these people on the list. And people would tell me that they wanted more uh, from me in different ways than software. And I was kind of this normal developer of like, I'm not going to write ebooks. I'm not going to do that whole info product crap. I'm just going to f- stick to code, which is real. Yeah. Um, right, right. And, but I, I did end up caving thanks to Amy Hoy. And I, oh. I eventually did a book, uh, what was a book on pricing? Cause it was something mm. that just kept coming up from people on my email list that I was just sending them 
articles about to try to get them to sign up for PlanScope. Um, right. But that led to a book and that eventually led to like evolving that book into a course, a few more courses, conferences I ran, uh, podcasts and all this other fun stuff. So that's huh. where things started. Like, you know, I, I did, se- I, I ended up selling PlanScope in 2016 because I, the like info thing that kind of just somehow happened was eclipsing anything that PlanScope was doing, you know, right. by a, and obviously way less time, right? Cause yeah. once you do it, and it, it really honestly started to wear on me to think I'm in like content creation education mode. And now I need to jump into playing customer support and yeah. there's a JavaScript bug or something that I need to right. go now fix. Um, mm-hmm. So I eventually thought it would be better for myself and ultimately the customers to put it in more capable hands. Um, mm-hmm. So I sold that in 2016 and then went all in on what the the blog, the PlanScope blog, which became Double Your Freelancing, which is um, where I really started getting into more segmentation stuff because I quickly it, realized, oh, good. No, I mean, it sounds like you niched down hard. I didn't niche actually, or niche. Um, sorry, I said niche. <laughs> I, uh, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll comply. No, no, it's good. You niched down. I niched hard. down. No, well, but I, did, you, I didn't though. I mean, niche down in what respect? In terms well, of who I mean, I'm focusing like, on, or well, I mean, like you went from I'm developing a product and a blog for freelancers to I'm going to teach you specifically how to double your freelancing work. Like you, you, instead of just like, I'm like, obviously you have content on, I'll help you write proposals. Like all of these things I think matter, but I think you really just honed in your messaging. I don't know if I'd agree because I, um, I ended up creating a lot of products where the goal was to kind of cover everything, like every, I like knowledge or knowledge thing, the typical freelancer would need. So I have things on pricing. I have things on getting clients. I have things on, um, doing paid discovery for new clients, um, even have things on like, you know, client management and stuff. So I tried to go full coverage, um, on thinking that's freelancing. Yeah. Cause if somebody comes in thinking I want to get more clients and then they buy that and they benefit from it, the next step is I want them now to think, okay, you've got clients now let's better manage them or let's charge them more or whatever else. So, mm. you know, the idea was how do I make it? So over time you can, you know, b- become really great at consulting by getting all this stuff and doing it just kind of, you know, but how like Ramit does, like he wants to give you uh, a better life ultimately. So he has all these different products and stuff that, you know, you do the fitness thing, but you might want to do the earn one K thing. And then you might want to do the other thing, which is more in like personal habits or something. So um, I wanted that kind of that same thing where I could basically get somebody in who is a, establish your new freelancer and really help them holistically with the stuff that I was creating. So you were trying to send them down a path. Yes. Yes. Well, I wanted them to go down a specific path that I felt was the ideal path for them. And, and, and that blue, so that like roadmap, for example, your site covered all of the different things that that roadmap includes. And so whichever one, like, let's say somebody comes in on like, just trying to double their their or trying to increase their pricing. Yeah. Well, it's like okay, you're coming in on that, you're signing up for that, but you need to maybe come back to the beginning and and start going forward. Or did you? How did you like? That's the thing I think is the most confusing is like how do you how do you determine whether somebody is advanced or um, a beginner? Because you know I think beginners 
tend to look at advanced stuff and go, oh, I'll start there. I want to start at the at the end yeah. um, where I make more money, where it's like, eh, okay, buddy, but you got to come back to the beginning. Yeah, good question. So I the way I do that now and the way I've done that is the first thing I try to get people to do is double your freelancing rate, which is, it sounds like it's a course on how to charge more and it ultimately is, but it's really a course on how to sell better so you can justify okay. selling, uh, charging more. So it's how do you reframe how do you get away from being a technical provider to being somebody who looks at a business problem and solves it, right? Mm, so mm-hmm. that's the course. That's kind of the, been the flagship thing of mine. Um, and most people come in that way. Like that's the, you know, that's had 8,000 people bought who have bought that course over the years. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing that people come in from. But, um, you know, people will buy that and then, they now know how to sell consulting. And then the next question is, well, where do I get leads? So that course doesn't cover that. That course starts with, you have a project lead. What do you do? Um, so I created other things that I intentionally kind of ferry people to afterward that, right. all right, so you know, how to, you know how to sell now. How do you get quality leads, not like shared junk from like Upwork or whatever? Right? Yeah, right. So yeah. that's the... There is a definite progression that most people move down, but there are curveballs. Like some people come in and they're already doing kind of well and they want to start scaling up an agency. So these are people who are more established. Maybe they already have a small team and they want to do it better. And they're looking for advice on um, how do I know when it's safe to scale and how do I know how to do this do this without like hurting my clients because I now have a bunch of smart people and I'm selling projects, but I'm not actually fulfilling them too. So what if... Like I sell them on all this great business stuff and then the team that does the work doesn't have that same ability and then my reputation gets botched and you know, that kind of stuff, right? right. So there's all these different things and I, I, I you know, what, what, what was where the next kind of level up of my like personalization segmentation stuff happened was most people who started with following my content online yeah. were people like me, mostly web developers, sometimes designers, but majority were web developer types. And these were people I know why. Events. Yeah, it's because I early on, I was most of my traffic came from Hacker News. I was very involved there, okay. which Hacker News isn't, you know, it skews mostly technical. Yep. yep. Developers. Yeah. So, uh, but the thing about um, once you get indexed by Google, uh, Google is kind of impartial. So if you're being, if you're ranking really well for how do I start a freelancing business, you're going to get all stripes of freelancers, not just developers, right? You're going to get people mm-hmm. who do everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I started to learn over time that, okay, the audience was fracturing in the sense that it wasn't just people like me. So that, that was one thing I just kind of was not surprised by, but just started to eventually understand. But how did where, you learn that information? Just from like people, because one thing I did that I think worked well was when like the, the first email you got after joining my list, the PS was like, hey, reply and tell me a bit about who you are. Okay. So I, I just started to see like the the trends kind of shifting, not not shifting from like A to B, but rather just adding a lot more types of people. Diversity. Yeah. yeah. And that was all I know from, because all of my traffic comes from Google. So it was pretty much just people going to Google and typing in stuff. And they weren't typing in like how to start a software business or start software freelancing business. They yeah. were just typing in how to start a freelancing business and they could be a marketer. They could be a copywriter. They could be a videographer. You know, yeah. they were, they were getting these articles. 
when you when you did that, were you just anecdotally kind of looking through the emails and just seeing it and going, oh wait, thing you're you noticed a shift in your head th- through this data, or were you tracking it? No, and I going was, wow, twenty percent this now. early. No, at fr- okay. it was really just like just me noticing that this okay. is what okay. people were saying. Yeah, okay, but I did get there because <laughs> um, okay. what what ended up happening, I think the big eye opener for me was so i noticed that i was kind of diversifying in terms of the audience makeup and then i got an email once from a copywriter who wrote in so she was looking at my main course double your freelancing rate which all the social proof was pretty much the early customers so developers Developers. mostly Mm -hmm. yep um and it was very it was written by me for people like me so Mm -hmm. and she wrote in saying that she had been recommended this by a friend and she was checking out the sales page, but it seemed like it was very developer focused, even though it's not like double your freelance developing rate or, you know, anything sure, like that, wasn't, right? Yeah. Yeah. So she wrote in and she's like, um, I don't know if this will help me, but it looks like it kind of might. Do you, can you help me out? So basically she was asking for help. Mm. And one, the big eye opener was realizing like, holy shit, how many other people thought this and didn't email because i know i uh, like i don't i never email anyone like that i don't do cold emails oh i mean that's a that's a godsend yeah yeah but i thought like you know this is a course on how to sell freelancing like there's nothing technical there's nothing specific about like this only works if you're selling code in the course it's all about how do you understand and get in the minds of your clients and understand what they need and why they're why they want to pay you money for it and so on and so forth it's mm-hmm. nothing about development, but how I positioned the sales page was very focused on what was people like me and the early customers. So I, I saw that and, and I thought, well, I don't think it happened immediately, but I started to think, well, what if I could like, okay, let's put on my little crafty growth hacker developer mind again. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> I did if else's before for the opt-in verse trial. What if I did if else, if else, if else, if else, if else, or a case switch or a case switch. Yeah. Which is probably cleaner. Um, and just said like, what if I could make it so I somehow could know that this person's a copywriter. And then when she's views this page, just like, let's just change a bit. Right. Little, yeah. Little pit. That's all she wanted. She just wanted confidence that like this could help her and she wasn't seeing herself in the product. So I think we all know like niche products work well. And, you know, I could have, uh, I could have just been the freelance developer trainer guy and just done that. And then I wouldn't have needed to do any of this, but cause I, I broadened not intentionally, but it just happened. Um, Mm -hmm. for me, the, the easy fix was just saying, well, okay, copywriter wants to see herself in the product. So how do I know, find out one, that this person is a copywriter and two, once I know that, what do I, how could I change like the headline or maybe mm-hmm. uh, swap out some testimonials and stuff. And that's what led me down the like, kind of that true personalization segmentation path. Now I'm curious as to why, I mean, I think I know the answer, but, and I think the answer is because you're a developer, but why didn't you just think, because in my brain, I'm just, I'm like, I'm not a developer. So my, my, um, solution to that problem would have been, well, I'll just add a section on the sales page that says this is perfect for, and then name all of the Everything. different things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so that way you can find your thing and go, oh, this is perfect for me. 
I think why not? I think it's because I think the thing that helped with selling consulting so much was I knew if I'm talking to a, if I'm trying to sell somebody on hiring my team, Mm -hmm. I'm focusing in on examples and stuff that I know are going to appeal to them. I'm not trying to like carpet bomb them with everything. everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's a lot to be said about if you need to say, if, if your default is to say, spit out everything, every FAQ, every objection, every whatever, um, and then leave it up to the end user or the end, you know, the person on the site, the person reading it to kind of parse the signal out of that noise, you're giving them a lot of, a lot of mental overhead that they need mm-hmm. to kind of work through. Whereas, you know, one, one book that was very transform transformational for me when I started out was the book, don't make me think, which is all about. So I don't know if you've read it or seen it. No, but it's, no, no. Yeah. It's an old book. Um, I want to say it's probably 15 years old or something, but it, the whole, the whole idea, it's a very pessimistic book maybe, but it's very much. I about love it. How, I love it. The title already. Yeah. It's like people don't want to figure out your stupid ass website. Like right. make it obvious, make it straight into the point about like, this is how I help you. This is navigation that makes sense for you. Like, th- you know, don't, don't compete with different calls to action that are one says this one says that. And then they leave. It's that whole, like, I forgot, I always forget this example, but that whole, like, you know, the, the, the little shopkeeper who has 30 jars of honey Versus the one who has the three jars and it's like, this one's for this, you know, this one's for that and, you know, so on. Like people don't, I mean, granted, I think some people are more likely to be okay with like parsing through and doing a lot of that kind of research. If and you're, If you're nerdy about it, sure. Yeah. Right. Like as a, as a home brewer, I go into a home brew store. I want all the options. Yes. Yes. Because I know all of the options. I yeah. want to know, you know, that, that, you know, I want to know that it's a, organic wildflower honey from the Alaskan region <laughs> of whatever. Like I want to know that stuff cause I'm a nerd about it, but I think most, the majority of people are, are either beginners or like, you know, me literally in every other category in life. I'm just like, whatever, just give me the, just give me the, either the most expensive one or yep. give me the one that's like specifically for me. But that being said too, the other thing that influenced me was I remember distinctly, I had this call when I was, doing plan scope and I was trying to get agencies to sign up. So agencies mm-hmm. don't Google about how do I get clients like freelancers do? Cause they typically have clients. Yes. So they're not looking for info as much, but I wanted them cause they would pay more. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I talked to one on the phone and I, uh, I was telling it like I was asking cause he was on the list or something and I was trying to figure out like, what would it take to sign up? What do you need? And so on. He told me that, there's no way in hell something that is meant for freelancers would work for his agency. Yeah. Um, even though I'm thinking, well, you know, it's just a matter of like the reporting is different and the fact that you get multiple users is different, right? Like task mm-hmm. management is kind of the same regardless. Yeah. Otherwise. Yep. But in his mind, things that help freelancers could not help him. Just like if you're teaching and I was talking to Pat Flynn about this the other week in uh, San Diego, if you are a, um, if you're selling a podcasting course, somebody who already has a podcast and already feels kind of established, if they're seeing a bunch of stuff about starting a podcast, they're put off by that and vice versa. Right. Yep. So the fix is either have two, two courses, 
two things, mm-hmm. two separate marketing tracks um, and have fun with that. Sure. Or to just say, well, you know, if like, how do we sell consulting? How did I sell consulting? Well, I, you know, I, my team and I have abilities and experience and so on. And when we write a proposal, we are effectively niching down our abilities down to one problem that we know now about because we've talked to the potential client. So a proposal is a niched sales letter, right? Where you're basically mm-hmm. saying, here's where you're at. Here's what you need. Here's how I can help. So niching is basically you're just kind of front loading that and you're putting it on a standalone site that people can access without you writing that for them. But what's why not just say, well, like, you know, Matt shows up and Matt has this need. So Matt gets the product described to him that way. Whereas Mary shows up, Mary has that need. So Mary gets the product described differently to her. And why not? Right. I mean, that's what we all do offline. We all do that when selling anything uh, in person. So why can't we do that online? Well, you can, right? But I just, it becomes this argument of, is it worth it? Yep. Versus, you know, let's say, for example, and this is, you know, in my, I think we talked, we talked about this because of right message and stuff. Um, So I I use right message for some university and we were having trouble figuring out how to, how to really fit it into my workflow. And it was very obvious that like, I have two segmentations. I have like, you're either own a hot tub or you own a pool. Right. Mm -hmm. So that aside, that's a pretty obvious distinction, right? It's like either you're a developer or you're a freelance writer or whatever. Um, They're very different jobs. Then it became, well, all right, that's an obvious one, but what about there's three different types of pools or there's two different types of pools. There's an above ground pool and there's an in-ground pool. And so I got, I was in my early days, I just segmented. Like I just wanted everybody to have their own sort of track and it became like very difficult to manage. But that, but the real reason why I never really pursued it is because I didn't know if it was actually worth doing. Yep. How do you know? How did you know? Like, for, first of all, did you just do it and measure later? Or did you set up a measurement system and then do it to make sure that if I'm going to put this work into segmentation and personalization, it better fucking work? <laughs> right. So when I, fir- that when I first started and, and it was that if else, if anonymous show opt-in otherwise, I did that just because it sounded funded to sound yeah it's a, it's a little project yeah. and um, that's only from email right so you were just like putting in only a from variable email. yep right so you were just putting in like a url variable at the end of it uh it was literally uh, subscriber equals true and if it saw that okay that was like, okay right that okay. was it right right um and so that you know i wasn't measuring so i didn't know uh-huh. if it it just set, it seemed like this Logical. could only help not hurt mm-hmm. yep right because the if you th- you're, factor you're, in, you're, you're removing that real estate, right? Yeah, like that right. real estate is being taken it. up by something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, you know having an opt-in form for someone on my list serves zero purpose. Yep. So yeah. Um, but where it started working was I started to pipe in everything I could into Mixpanel with W Freelancing. So I would pipe in data about basically two two core things: business type, which is designer, developer, marketer, writer, and so on. And team size. So that would be not yet started, solo or agency. And I did this. And the cool thing is I was able to make it so all the data that I had, I was in dri- using Drip at the time, all that data would get synced with Mixpanel. 
and into the people profiles. So I could go into a funnel in Mixpanel of like, you know, viewed a viewed a sales page, add to cart, checkout, purchase, and drill down by any of those dimensions. But more importantly, I could go in and look at my uh, revenue reports in Mixpanel, and I could break it down by segments. Um, so I, I broke it down uh, by business type. So what kind of work do you do? And I noticed before I was doing really much of anything that developers were worth twice as much as the next most performance segment, which was designers. So it would be basically like if you were on my email list and you're a developer, you were worth it was like 40 or something like that, maybe a little less. And then designers were about half that. And then everyone else was below that. And other stuff were in the single like $2 or something. And no, this was if you were through a certain funnel, not on my list, but if you went into a certain email funnel that led to a paid paid pitch. Um, right. So because that, that was the only funnel where I captured that data. So when you join the email list, uh, it was an email course called Charge What You're Worth. When you join that, I would ask you what kind of work you do in your email. And then I would just take that data that you put in and associate it with sales. And developers were worth twice as much. So mm. for me, that meant, all right, so two, two, two conclusions from this. Either... I'm losing people, you know, I'm losing everyone else who's not a developer or everyone else is just really cheap and poor. Right. That was basically the, my line of thinking. Sure. And I think had it been like, are you white collar or student? (laughs) That would be, you know, if, if student didn't pay anything, it'd make more sense. But I, I didn't think like, why are, why are marketers not like, do they legitimately not have money? Like the freelance marketers (laughs) and stuff, you know? Or are they just more, they don't do buy this? I don't, I don't know. Like, so yeah, I thought, who knows? I have this data. So what if I spend some time doing some if-elses and then let this run for a bit and see if the numbers change? And they did. And they eventually hit more or less parity. Copywriters really never did. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone else, designers, developers, marketers, the big three, they all pretty much equaled out. Wow. Um, so... Again, so without that, changing really anything in your product, no. it just was just really code and data. Correct. Changing the sales page, changing how I yep. how I sold it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was done in both over email and on the site itself. So, uh, yeah. and when you said the site itself, you mean like if somebody was reading an article specifically about marketing and not article sales page. So, if you were on the sales page for that course, the Got it. I would change headline testimonial. I'd swap out the usage of freelancer with freelance designer, freelance writer, and so on. Okay. I'd also do things like if you're a developer, it would say the word rate. If you're a um, designer, it would say the word fee, um, which uh. I realized is a distinction that often they that those two have with how they think about getting paid, right? Wow. Um, so little things like that. We're just making huh. it think like, if I'm a designer, how would this page need to be different? You know? Yeah. So um, the idea of the mix panel thing, mix panel is not a very cheap, it's not Google analytics. No. And it's not easy, right? It's not easy. Yeah. Why did you, did you use it before and you just knew how to use it? Or did you go like, I'm going to invest in like the top thing? I, it was, I got it. I, I'm, I got it when it was cheaper than it is today. Sure. So first off. And secondly, it, I wanted something that would basically be a SQL database of events that I could throw onto graphs. 
and charts. That you could throw into what? Like graphs and charts and funnel okay, things. Right. I was using Kissmetrics before, um, but okay. I didn't like it nearly as much as what I got with. And, and then once they had people profiles where um, you could st- basically sync and mirror your email list into Mixpanel and get all that tag and custom field data up there too, then I could just basically you know, take any of my reports or funnels or whatever else and say, you know, break it down, break down this, this conversion rate, these conversion rates by this custom field. So this custom field is business type and there's like six different values. So it would break down every step of the funnel by the unique values of that custom field. Right. And, and is there anything other than where you can contemplate, you said you used kiss metrics and then you went to mix panel. Is there other ones that I'm not familiar with that do exactly this? Because it seems complicated, but it maybe it doesn't have to be. Yeah, but these are typically web like website analytics software, right? Like, I mean, it, it it's not they're not really like the only thing I could think of that would be comparable from a strictly email marketing perspective would be a tool like Segmetrics, um, okay, which Keith Perhack runs and. That's the idea that is just supposed to be like, I think it only works currently with Infusionsoft, but it'll pull out your purchase data, but also your contact data and let you run like reports on like, how does this people with this tag, what are they worth relative to people with that right. tag and stuff. And, the, and getting that and knowing that data that you got through Mixpanel was, that's priceless. I mean, you needed that. Yeah. And I wouldn't have had that data if I wasn't tracking like who's a developer and who's a designer and stuff. So and that's, that's really kind of all the foundation you- of it. That, and that, that wasn't like, it wasn't like you were, uh, you didn't need to know all of those steps. You just really need to know those two steps, you know, those two data who, points. You mean those two data points? Yes. Yeah. That's what I started with was straight up. Just what kind of work do you do? And are you buying. currently working solo or an agency? Yeah. And then are you buying or not? Yeah. Well, th- that would be automatic. I mean, I would know right. that they're buying by the fact that they purchased and then that data would get sent up to drip. And what did you use to sell the products? Uh, WooCommerce. Wucom- oh, so it was built into WordPress. Yep. Wow. Yep. You still use that? Yep. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And you can send that data up into Mixpanel. Yep. Through their JavaScript API. Yeah. So you had to do a little coding. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So yeah. So so knowing. All right. That that's. I think that's really where it boils down to. It's not a very easy thing to do. No. No. You have, I was you the only to- person I knew who was doing anything like that from who wasn't like running a SaaS company. Sure. Okay. So. Um, at that point, then you have this data, you make these changes, you see that you see these results. What you know, it's now worth it. Mm-hmm. Did you go any further? Did you go like ape shit with it where you're like, I'm changing blog post titles, I'm changing all kinds of shit? Yeah, it's tempting to go down the rabbit hole that deep. Um, right. No, I never did anything like I theoretically I could just do a fine and replace of any usage of the word freelancer on my site with like freelance designer. Yeah. And that, that wouldn't be hard to do. Um, mm-hmm. but I did, I only focused on the key sales pages and not even everyone, just the main ones. I think I'd only done to three of them at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I have like one of that's selling videos of my conferences. I don't really, I mean, yeah, yeah. It doesn't make sense, but you're not, so you're not, um, when you have blog posts on your site, are you selling the products there? Is it, is it even possible for people to buy it without getting on the email list or do you have yeah. to get on the email list mm-hmm. and sell it? You, okay. no, I have a products page, but I would do things like if you go to the products page and you're a designer, it would say like, uh, training products for freelance designers. 
Yeah. Sure. Okay. And and you would only know that information, the way you were gathering that data was strictly through email and custom form, custom fields. Correct. So it, what I would do is when you would opt in, instead of just having an email field, back then I just had a drop down too that would set a custom field. So like, what kind of work do you do? Um, and then the cool thing about Drip was they included a thing called Drip.js, which was a thing that made it so anytime anyone was on your site, if they're on your Drip list, you would have access. You had to code it. It wasn't intuitive. But mm. if you knew what you were doing, you could pull all their tags and custom fields. So I just used that. Got it. And yeah. so you didn't do, did you do anything where they didn't have to sign up for your email list? And depending on what they were reading, you can make yeah, determinations. I did. So that that's that was later in the game. But I um so at first I was doing just the at the point of opt-in. Um uh-huh. I would I would do that, right? Yep. But then I eventually started thinking, well, I would like to, there are behavioral things people could do before they opt in that I'd like to be able to respond to. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of traffic comes to my start a freelancing business article. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're an agency if you land on that, right? Because you, you just why make would that be, assumption. Yeah. So um, what I ended up doing was writing, and again, this is, I can geek out on this and go super technical, but I basically wrote yeah. a abstraction layer on top of that Drip.js thing where I could write data to it. I could say like, oh, if they land on this page, put them in the not yet started category or segment, right? And then if and when they do eventually opt in, that data will be sent up automatically to their new drip record. Um, Got it. So it allowed me to kind of build this collection of data before somebody went on my list. And I could use that data too. Because when I would query, like, are they this or are they that? Instead of going through that Trip.js thing, I was going to my little middleman, where if they weren't on my list yet, but they behaved in such a way to imply that they're starting out, then um, I would put them into that starting out segment, and then I could re- react to that. A good example of that would be, I ended up having this ridiculous like set of rules, which I'm now, and to be completely transparent, I'm using right message to do all of this now, but it used to be manual. And I was doing things like I'd look into my Google Analytics and notice that there were a few key sites that sent me a lot of traffic. And, you know, one of these sites was a design website or it's, it's a design blog meant for web designers. So I just thought, well, what if if you come from that site? I'm just going to assume you're a designer and going to auto answer that question for you. Right. Of like, what right. kind of work do you do? Right. Um, so I, I ended up rolling out a lot of these behavioral things where looking at where they came from or what page they landed on first, I would segment them that way. And then I started saying, well, you know, all my Articles are categorized on the site. Like I have categories on this is a marketing article. This is, this is a pricing article. Well, what if I could just, tr- you know, what I was doing is I was just tracking every every article read in a uh, local storage, which is like a better version of cookies. And mm-hmm. I would track every article read along with the category ID of that article. And then what I would do is I would just sum up everything you've read and look at which one, which category is most popular out of what you're reading. Right. And then I'd say, (laughs) like, all right, so Matt's read five articles on marketing and three on pricing. He's probably interested in marketing. And then if you start binging pricing articles, I'm going to say, oh, you're interested in pricing. Um, So then I could do things which worked really well. I could do things like, um, you know, I I could kind of like if you were reading marketing articles and you came from a design blog, the opt in could be something about, you know, learn how to get more clients as a designer or something. Right. Boom. Right. And that worked 
really well. Um, and yeah, that's, that's when it started to all click. Cause I realized, well, I could do this stuff and I could, you know, if, if everyone wants the niche website, everyone wants like the thing meant seemingly made just for them. I'm not yep. a niche website. So how can I act more like a niche website without actually being a niche website? And that was yeah. the plan. And it, it the okay. numbers did, did make it, did warrant that the work I was doing was worth it. Now, the downside was I started sharing a lot of this openly, I guess not a downside, but an upside. And people with, uh, quote unquote, non-bullshit businesses started reaching out and saying like, if you even give us like any of these kind of like anything close to the results you're showing over Twitter, we would be very happy. <laughs> yeah. Can we, uh, yeah. can we hire right. you? Right. So yeah. it led to about a, a, uh, not a dozen, but about 11 consulting gigs, uh, over the span of two and a half years or so where mm-hmm. I was hired to basically do what I'd done for W freelancing, but for other people. And, right. um, yeah, that from there, I ended up uh, creating a course on it. And this course, unlike my other stuff was bought by marketers, not necessarily yeah. freelancers. And the number one bug r- report was you gave me a bunch of JavaScript. What the hell do I do with this? Right. So. Which, I, yeah, that sounds like a nightmare, <laughs> yeah. even for me. Like, yeah, oh, yeah okay, you got to retrofit it and, it, and it and it may not work depending on what your site is. Well, I did the whole thing of like, you know, the, um, you know, instead of just doing a course, you got to include bonuses. So I thought, well, I'll just rip out the code on my site sure. and put it in like a, you know, a repository and say, have at it. But yeah, uh, yeah no customer service. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, I'm not going to troubleshoot this for you. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, I was going to help people write JavaScript, but I was like, you could go to a developer, hire one. Yeah, and they could yeah. probably work with this. So, yeah. yeah, and then this idea led to what became Right Message. Yeah, yeah, because basically people were saying they wanted what I was teaching, they wanted what I was talking about, but they didn't want to deal with coding. And then you were like, I can build this. Yeah, so I partnered up with a friend, a customer mm-hmm. too, shy, and basically said, can we just, you know, I, I have this code that's running on W Freelancing. Can we just write it? can we create a SAS that basically just compiles it down for people? Yeah. Or like you, you do your inputs and then it'll spit out the code you put on your site. Right. And that's what led to write message. And now it's even more, I mean, we, we've gone kind of stuff. I never even thought could have done like really crazy levels of reporting. Um, and like these crazy call to action funnel things that route people to different things based off this and that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's where we ended up now. Yeah. So, um, we didn't talk about this the last time we recorded this, but I want to get into it if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. Um, so with right message, you can do a lot of um, interesting things with convert. So I'm using ConvertKit. You're now on ConvertKit. Yep. Um, I, I believe, and I need to tell me if I'm wrong about this because I it's been a while since I, I logged in, but um, when you add somebody into ConvertKit as a customer, they add themselves. Um, you can add a bunch of link triggers and things to learn and collect data about your email subscribers. Um, they make it very easy to do that with tags, mm-hmm. right? Yep. They, uh, unfortunately, though, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, if you start using right message and you want to pull that data down from ConvertKit to, ch- to manipulate the copy on your sales pages, you do not pull down tag information. You only pull down custom field information. Correct. Well, we pull down tags, but the way that we 
do our magic matching segments with custom with data in ConvertKit is through custom fields. Yeah. Okay. And you were instrumental in making ConvertKit sort of add support for custom fields the same way they have support for tags. For link triggers, yes. They had custom for fields link- from day one, but sure. for link triggers, yeah. Why custom fields over tags? Okay. Because tags got everyone super wet when that when when uh when convert kit came out they were like oh and then people went i saw people go tag crazy yeah yeah and i feel like i now after talking with you and after hearing your because i know the debate right i know i know your position it makes a lot of sense and i have yet to switch over <laughs> and i don't know how to do that without like really just kind of spending a ton of time figuring it out sure Okay, so you want me to get on the soapbox and talk? I do. I really okay, do. Cool. Because I think it's I think it's important. <laughs> okay, so um, all right. So tagging is is has its uses. I I do think though that people misuse tags, and so here's why. So if you think about what you typically want to do when it comes, to, let's just talk segmentation. So you want to yeah, segment yeah. people. You want to find out what industry they're in or what their fa- let's keep it easy what your favorite color is all right so say you want to find out favorite color so you have an email in convertkit and you have a little bullet list in that and you have three mm-hmm. items red green blue and e- when they click red applies tag red they you know click green green and so on um all right so let me if 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 i click two of those links i have red and green cuz it tags would be added but red tag and a green tag mm-hmm. um but if i want to use that data i need to know which one is it am i going to show the red background or the green background and if you have both there's zero way of knowing which which one they like best right so mm-hmm. i mean you typically when it comes to things like let's say you want to ask a question which is what we're getting at right and you want to ask a question over email you either have one of many which is infinitely more useful or many of many so I like red, green, and blue. So example would be favorite food. I like pizza. I like ice cream. I like all that stuff. But um, favorite food, you got to gotta choose one, right? Um, mm-hmm. But if you want to personalize or segment or personalize correctly, whether it's an email or your site, you typically need to know which one is it. And the problem with tags is there doesn't have, they don't have any built-in cleanup capabilities. And here's what I mean by that. If you choose red, then you say, oh, wait, I'm going to click green. You're going to have both tags applied. It's going to be, it's, it's going to, it won't get confused, but you just, you're going to need to decide when you do your personalization stuff, which one takes precedent, right? Mm -hmm. Do I put the if above the, uh, you know, the, the first if is that for red or for green, right? Whichever you choose is how it goes. Um, yep. On top of that, let's say you do a quarterly thing and you want to find out maybe their favorite color has changed. I mean, that's a crappy example, but maybe maybe sure. their favorite color has changed. Uh, now they choose blue. Now they have red, green, and blue. Like, again, which, which one is it? So sure. to fix that with tags, you would literally need to have a rule that says when the red tag gets added, go and remove the green tag and remove the blue tag if they exist. Likewise, <laughs> right, when the, the green tag gets added, do the same yeah. for red and blue. Or... You do these, you know, you have these things called custom fields, which are a key and a value. So this is the thing like favorite color and it has a value like green. And if you change the value from green to red, all like it knows how to clean that up out of the box. Yeah. Right. 
So it's basically like I make this argument that it, it's it's imagine if imagine if um say you wanted to get somebody's birth month, right? And you had a mm-hmm. you had a spreadsheet and you had a bunch of people on a spreadsheet. You wouldn't have like a is January, is February, is March, is whatever column for each with like a X or whatever in each. Right. You would have a birth month column. Yes. That has October or something, right? Yes. I mean, that's just the way data systems are designed. And the problem with tagging everything is tagging is fine for binary things. Like you've either read this thing or not read it. You've mm-hmm. opted into this lead magnet or you haven't, right? Mm-hmm. Perfectly valid use case for tagging. Yep. But for segmentation, it's it's a bit of a mess. And even for things like imagine, imagine you have a membership site, right? Mm-hmm. And you might think, oh, well, when somebody joins my membership site, I'm going to tag them as customer. And when somebody yeah. cancels, I'm going to tag them as canceled. Well, what if they right. cancel and then they come back a month later and sign up again? Are they, unless you have the, unless you've done the work to say, anytime anyone signs up, remove that cancel tag if it exists, then they're still going to be on that. And then now you're e- emailing them out about churn crap or something. Right. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's a pain. Whereas if you had a customer status field that was like trialing, member or monthly member annual member or canceled then it becomes really easy you know they switch from monthly to canceled cool done they switch from canceled to monthly fine yeah so um let me ask you this uh i have some university you either own you you can own a pool and a hot tub mm-hmm. right which for in my case, I was like tags. That makes sense because that way somebody can and can say I own a pool, and then they can also be tagged as a hot tub owner, yep. right? Versus, uh, and then but the, so it gets even more confusing. So it's like, well, what kind of pool do you own? You own an above ground pool, an in ground pool. So I have a tag as you're a pool owner, and then I also have a tag of you're an in ground pool owner. So now you're a pool owner tag, and you're an in ground pool owner tag, and then you could say, well, I am a hot tub owner. And I own a portable hot tub as opposed to like an in-ground hot tub or something. And so now you have four tags really telling you only two pieces of information that you need, right? Yep. So I should create, in my case, because I need both, I need to know it's it can't just be one or the other, right? It can't just be a binary choice. I have to have uh, a pool custom field and then in that custom field, what type of pool they have. And then I would have a hot tub field, which may or may not be empty, depending on if they own one or not. And then in that, what type of hot tub they own. Yeah. And so that, I would set. just treat it a blank value as they don't own it. And if there is right. a value, you either know it's above or below. And then if I were to, the, the, so the idea of the, um, if they buy something thing is really interesting because I also, as a owner of a, uh, as a pool and hot tub owner, you could buy multiple things, mm-hmm. right? So do you, in your case, because you have multiple products on Double Your Freelancing, do you have a different custom field for each product, whether they own it or not? No, I use tags for that because it's binary. You've bought it or you haven't. Um, I could, okay. I don't really have many refunds and then rebuys. So if I did have a lot of that and I was doing something with that, mm-hmm. then I probably would have a, a field per product and then I'd have a like W freelance DYFR status or something and either blank or purchased what I probably ha- Well, I don't know. You could even do um, another issue with tags is there's no temporal data 
with it. So no time. So that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. So for example, uh, I tag, if somebody goes into an email of mine Mm -hmm. and they click the PS, which is the, uh, you want to go buy the book. Here's a pitch for the book. Yep. You click the, you click that they get tagged as interested in that particular book. Yep. Right. And then once, if they buy that book, I have to create a rule that says, remove that tag. Cause they're, well, actually I don't even, I don't even remove it because once they own it. it. Yeah. Yeah, just leave it. Like they yeah. they own it now too, and they were interested at one point. So that yeah. is also true. Yeah, right. Um, but I kind of have to remove the interested tag because that pulls them out of the the automation that is trying to pitch them the book. Because they, what I do is I say, "Oh, you're interested. I'm gonna quickly divert you into a hardcore sales pitch email funnel for a little bit. At the same time, you're you know you're still going through your regular emails. Yeah, I mean, what so I would I do even do little, is I would have like the so call that um hot tub product or hot tub course or something mm-hmm. could have a, either the default is blank or mm-hmm. there's an interested value or a mm-hmm. being like being pitched value if mm-hmm. they're going through a sale mm-hmm. or a purchased or refunded value. Yeah. And then right. it auto cleans up and then you just have the rule. The thing that yanks them out of the sequence that pitches them if they're interested, if the, um, if the value changes, just get them out that way. Right. If the, and I, I have it to where like, if they get, if the a tag applies to them, then just pull them out. Yeah. So it's like they have two tags, really. But then that can get confusing. Whereas like, and it can also get confusing when you have multiple, you know, custom fields for each product too. Yep. That could that have multiple things. But I mean, not, you know, and then the other, the other fucking problem with that whole thing is like, I can't really use custom fields because I use, well, you use WooCommerce. I'm using easy easy digital downloads which does not recognize custom fields as a buying option. Oh, really? What yeah. is So how do... Um... So it does tags. So you can apply uh, it. So yeah. if somebody buys something, you can apply a tag to somebody, but you can't apply a custom field. So I'm, using, add... I'm using WP Fusion, which I What's think that? it's like a middleware type thing for mm. WooCommerce. I think maybe EDD also, but WooCommerce and Drip or ConvertKit or whatever else. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, it I just mean, makes it like, yeah, I mean, for that specific example of like, oh, when somebody buys something, that's the only time I can really add it. To, I have yeah, to add I mean, time. I don't think, honestly, I don't think it makes any sense to like refactor the way things yeah. are on that sense. I would just, I, I think it, the biggest thing is for if you want to say, if you want to segment off of a one to many thing, like favorite color or why are you here or what your job role is. That that would be the thing I that's the low hanging fruit I think to focus on. Yeah. I so mean, I um and and this is where I kind of go. How overkill is it? And then what is the order of operations to figure out whether it is or not? So mm-hmm. for example, um, I can sit here and say, you know, I know a lot of people. For example, have reached out to me and said, I don't know if does I get this question? Does this course work for saltwater pools? Yeah, everyone thinks saltwater pool is different than every other pool ever existed, and most most people don't know that saltwater pools are actually chlorine pools. Right, right, right. So, um, but I get that question all the time. It, does this course cover saltwater pools? Now I could go into my sales page and go, yes. Here, here's what you're going to learn: saltwater pools. Great. Or I could figure out a way to tag them as a saltwater pool owner. Mm-hmm. in ConvertKit, which is pretty easy to do. And I could do that through my website as well because I have saltwater pool articles that are very specific. 
And so I can gr- I can capture that data and I can change the sales copy only slightly. I mm-hmm. can just say in the headline, four saltwater pools yep. or you know whatever, just really simple shit. Um, my the the question I guess I have is, I can do that right now with ease. Is it worth my time to do? I know we talked about that. What should I do first? Should I try to just do that, which makes sense to me, or should I figure out a way to measure if it if it's going to work or not? And I think that's a, might be a stupid question. No, it's a good question. I think okay. the um, I think it's tempting to jump in head first into. And this is a an issue we had early on because people thought going into using right message that you had to almost treat it like a web design redesign project where it's like, okay, I got to figure out everything. I got to map it all out. I got to do all this stuff going into it. Yes. But what we're finding is that for the majority of people, what the best approach would be to, if you don't have a gut level understanding of, uh, we, we encourage people to focus on two things, who somebody is and what they need. So who somebody is, is they own a saltwater pool or they own a pool or a hot tub. And then mm-hmm. depending on which one they choose, they own a saltwater or chlorinated pool um, above ground, below ground. That would be like who they are and mm-hmm. what they need would be like, why did they go and start Googling about pools? So is like you've said before, their pool is green or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I typically start with that. And then from there... I, you know, what I encourage people to do is just capture that data, even if you're not doing anything yeah. with it yet. So yep. you can get an idea of the breakout. Cause some people like if, if only like 5% of people have a saltwater pool, um, might, might, might not make sense to even do anything with that. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. if it's, you know, 30%, then it might warrant doing something. So, sure. uh, you know, I like to, to say, let's, let's start with, and, and, and I think, you know, like, you know, like uh, maybe chlorinated people think differently than salt people. And maybe the salt people think, oh, I've got a special pool, whereas chlorinated people don't and won't care exactly. as much, you know? That's like, true. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I would, I would think like, all right, so we have 30% of people who are on this page, the sales page who own a saltwater pool. The mm-hmm. data has shown me this. Mm-hmm. I know I get a lot of crazy questions from these people who say like, oh, I... I need, you know, you don't know me and my needs as a saltwater person. Yes. It's like, all right, so <laughs> what could I do to them over email and on the site to make it so even if it's just stuff acknowledging that I know that they're a saltwater pool owner. That, that I think that would be usually really all it is. Yeah. That's yep. usually honestly all it is. It, you know, it's funny. We, um, we just had a managed client who has this massive golf site that gets 30,000 people a day hitting it. And so crazy amounts of data came, came in, like within minutes of like you publish it and it's like, shit, they just got 50 opt-ins, right? Like right. crazy. Yeah. But, um, you know, what, what we, what we're realizing with that is like how just, you know, the, the thing they're asking first is what's your swing speed, which is, I guess, big in the golf community. Like how fast you swing okay. the club. Apparently people know it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, how would you know that? Yeah. It's like a medium, fast, slow, whatever. Sure. So you choose uh-huh. one and then all it does is it changes. Uh, so if you say like medium, it'll switch the opt-in. It'll, you click that, it'll show an opt-in and the opt-in will say something like learn how to add. It's like 15.7 yards to your game. Uh, when you swing at 95 to 105 miles an hour or something like that. And just acknowledging like, all right, you're a medium swinger. You've just told us that. Uh, we know a bit about you cause we're 
spitting out stuff that makes sense to you, And um they Wait, so with right message, when so they, they go to a page, this opt-in thing comes up, it asks them one question. One question only. They they choose one of the answers. Yep. And then it shows them an opt-in with a specific message that says we can, you know, that's obviously pertains to what they just said. Exactly. That simple. That's it. It's the same opt-in, same form getting posted to. Is it the toaster or are you doing like a full page? They're doing a toaster and an exit pop-up at the moment. Wow. Okay. And this is new. So, you know, funny, um, they had before, and it's hard to attribute it directly to right message, but they had before an only an inline, uh, and they were getting about a hundred people a day opting into their list. Right. Mm-hmm. So we added the, the little slide up toaster, the exit pop-up, and we replaced their inlines with our inlines. And then we just prefaced everything with a question, which is your swing speed. And then we showed a very personalized opt-in lead magnet thing. That same one as before, just talking about their swing speed. Um, yeah. And they've gone from 100 a day to averaging about 600 a day um, overnight in the last 10 days. So there's a hard... I just tweeted it like an hour ago. I was going to um, say, aren't you, is that the one you're writing about? I just saw that tweet. Yeah. So wow. okay. they they went from a blank ConvertKit database, which is crazy to me, to 6,000 subscribers in, in 10 days. Um, and... That was on a list that before, I mean, I, I thought like a hundred people a day is great, but now they're getting, you know, some days it's up to even post over a thousand. But what I'm getting at is what we're finding is consistently, it's kind of like a lot of the quiz companies tout that quizzes are great lead magnets because they, they cause people to engage with the site and this mm-hmm. and that. And it's kind of like a way, you know, that they feel more, again, I, I needed, we need to dig deeper into this as an industry, but also, so we just stop sounding like we're just spewing like anecdotal stuff. But at the end of the day, consistently speaking, it seems like for a lot of businesses, if you can, instead of showing like the newsletter opt-in or whatever kind of, you know, whatever you're doing, the exit pop-up that's trying to get your email or whatever. um, If you can just say like, what is one question that I could ask that leads people to be a little more engaged with what we're doing and then mm-hmm. show them something that directly responds to that. That typically works very, very well uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to like a legitimate way of getting more people to key in their email address and not, not lowering quality, but you know, consistently increasing without baiting people into something. That's really interesting because that is not a B2B business. Mm-mm. Yep. That's golfing. I mean, you're selling that's golfing. equipment to golfers. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, well, they're e-commerce, right? Uh, no, they don't sell anything directly. It's all affiliate links. Okay. So <laughs> sounds very similar to what I do, except mm-hmm. one of them is a hobby and one of them is not. Yep. Right? Um, that story is very interesting to me because I think we, I mean, I, when, I, when, when I, I mean, I'm using right message, but I'm using it to like basically it's bare bones thing that it does, right? Yep. And it is working. It is converting. Um but only I think because people are signing up for my email list and then I'm show and then when they if they come back to my site, we're showing them a pop-up that's like, here's 10% off, man. Coupons always work. Yep. Right. Yep. Um and my my subscribers, I have gone back and forth with uh, you know, I used to use pop-ups and I would get like a ridiculous amount of signups a day, like close to a, over over a hundred plus. Like I don't even remember. Yep. But the problem was is is I don't know if I could convert those people or are these, are they even opening my emails or are these even legitimate or, or 
now I have a fucking pop-up like interrupting you. Right. So it's like, there was all these things and I took it off and, and all honestly, like my opt-in rate overall, my whole website was about little less than 1% conversion mm-hmm. rate Yep, with a pop-up. Yep. And I, I, I remember spending like an entire summer trying to figure out how to increase that. And the way that I did it was using like a custom code that I had built to like be, be very specific of the messaging on the specific article that you were reading yeah, at that time. Like a content upgrade, effectively. A content upgrade. And yeah. I was really building these little content upgrades and I was just like, maybe I don't need to do that. Maybe I can just say different words. Yep. And, you know, it's like, instead of subscribing for our free weekly newsletter, it's subscribe for our newsletter to learn more about Hot getting tips. rid of algae. Yeah, yeah yep. whatever, whatever they're reading, right? Um, and... I, you know, it just became, I got to a point because I'm not a developer by trade. I'm not really interested. I'm interested in it and I do it. It's just like, well, now if something breaks, I have to go fix it. Yeah. And I think right message sort of solving that problem for me, which is I could really take advantage of it. My problem is I get traffic the way this golf site gets traffic. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. I mean, it's, it's a good, you, you want to hear something interesting, which I had always, and I remember talking to you about this. I had always thought, because I'm so used to B2B, mm-hmm. that the way to break the ice is to ask somebody why they're here. So like, what is your number one thing? Like in this case, it's either reviews uh, or deals. So some people go there for deals, like the latest stuff on sale. Um, and uh, so it's reviews, deals. Like there's two other things I forgot about. Yeah. <laughs> but basically... I thought like, hey, let's let's ditch the like, why would anyone like if I'm at a site and it's like, you what's your that. swing speed? I'm like, I don't. I don't I mean, I don't know because I'm not a golfer, but what how does that help me at all? Whereas if it's like, how can I help you? That helps me. So we switched it for a day to a uh, the, the leading question was instead of the swing speed, it was what is it you're here for and how can we help you? conversions plummeted it's crazy like i was i mean crazy plummeted whereas when i ask something that on paper seems like completely contrary to everything we've been telling people to do with right message um what i'm getting at is test everything (laughs) and sure of course and on top of that like more and i i kind of got this from our conversations in the past but b2c is a totally different beast than, yeah. than I'm used to. Cause I, I, my way of doing it was always like, Oh yeah, find out what kind of work they do and what their job role is. And then, you know, yeah. And, and, and that's the who, but also why are but they that's here? A, that's also very, if you think about that, that's a very easy question for somebody to answer. Yes. Right. right. And so is the swing speed. Apparently yeah, exactly. if you're a golfer, swing speed's super right? easy. If you're, if you're, but you know, it's stuff. not an easy question. Why, why are you, are you yeah, here? That's a lot of thinking. Or what can I help you with? Yep. They need to think, Oh shit. What, what do I need help with? Yeah. And that goes back to your book, right? Yeah. Don't make me think. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just like, I mean, it's, it's kind of like lizard brain, right? Like, yeah. what's your swing speed? I swing this speed. Do you want to add this many yardage? Oh, that's not, that's, a, and it's a very precise number. It's like 14.7, right? I'm like, yeah. So it's like, oh yeah, I do. And, and it's referencing the thing I just said. So they must have a really good way of helping my unique speed to do yes. exactly what I want. Right. Which is so with 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 them though they didn't even have an email marketing strategy before this because it's, they went from zero to six thousand a day, right? Yeah, no, they, well, theirs is just blast out like new articles and deals. So sure. they had built a list, but it was stagnating. So they had eighty thousand, but they were growing the same way as they were churning. 
but they were getting 100 people a day, but they were probably losing mm-hmm. about 100 people a day on average. Right. So now what we're doing is we're getting swing speed, piping them in, showing them a very personalized offer. It's mm-hmm. basically the same opt-in, but describing it differently. They get in and then we're immediately jumping into a flash sale. They, so I mentioned they're not e-commerce, but they do have this thing where it's a uh, it's this fitting, this online fitting where you can go and you pay like currently it's um, nine bucks. It'll be 19 soon. Uh, you, you, you do this and you answer a few questions along with what you already told us, your swing speed. And then it'll tell you exactly what golf equipment to buy. So like, this is my handicap. This is my swing speed. I forgot the other stuff, but it, it surveys you. And then it says like, based on all the data points that we have at our, dis- at our disposal, buy this and you'll, you'll do well. So that's what they push people to. Cause a lot of like in-store brick and mortar golf companies will charge like 50 to hundred bucks to go in and get the same thing, but biased because they're trying to push their own equipment that they sell in store to you. Whereas these people tell you what to buy. And then these are all affiliate links that they give you of the thing that they tell you to buy. And they just pay and it just costs $19 to take that quiz. Yeah. Yep. So, and then they get the kickback on the affiliate. Sure. So, uh, <laughs> right. But what we're doing now is they opt in and then we know that data when they opt in. So we know their swing speed. And then we push them into a very, uh, very urgent, basically onboarding window where we're basically giving them 33% off, just like $3 saving at the moment. Soon it'll be a bit more, but mm-hmm. that has been working. I mean, they, they didn't have this before and they're, I mean, they, they've sixed X daily opt-ins, but they forexed daily revenue in 10 days just by thinking what, how, how can I better get more people on by by rethinking, and I mean, we did this for them. They didn't think this, but how do we get more people on the list? And then once they're on the list, how do we get them to do what the number one thing? Because people were doing it before that fitting thing. They just had to kind of hunt and peck on the site to find the thing. So it was just a very specific, like do this and then straight into that, straight into the sale. And it's been working and with with a discount and it's been working exceptionally well. So we're using deadline funnel and all that stuff to get the little count on timers and stuff in the emails. And yeah, I mean, they're, they are, they're doing very well. How can I get that done? I want that. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Like, I just don't think I can, I, I don't think it's hard for me to sit there and dedicate the time to that. It's like, you know, it's like Optimus, you know, when I talk to Andrew, he's always like, well, whenever I do an optimization experiment, it always fucking works. Like I'd always like, I do improve my sales. Yeah. When I just added a bunch of, you know, uh, really just adds to my content. It I got I made more sales, and it, and I have a lot of traffic where I can see a very quick turnaround. Yep. You know, like does this working or no? Like two days, yes or no? Is yep. it working? Yeah. Um, the problem I always have is like the measurement of it. I always that's where I get that's where I get tripped up. Is I can implement these things for sure. Measuring in if it's working or not, and for how long is where I go. Ah, shit. Am I, I mean, using Google was, Analytics? The thing I love about sites like yours and this site is we were able to get within, you know, ten days, but really within a few days. Like, okay, this is definitely a lot better than the last year of data that we've had, which has been mm-hmm. consistent. So they've been doing this for a while, and they know like this is on average how many new people we get a day, and this is on average how many sales we get a day. So like once we got smart about saying, all right, instead of doing like, you, you should have seen it, like their, their onboarding before was basically like a message from the founder with like a link to a mission statement, right? 
And it's just yeah. little, little things like that where it's just like, and it reminded me actually of, of our conversations. Cause I'm like, screw the, screw the nurturing, just go straight into a pitch, straight yeah. into a pitch immediately out of right. the gate. Um, yeah. and when they confirm, when they, when they, uh, opt in on the site, the redirect is to that same pitch. So both on the thank you page and over email, they get a 24 hour window of a discount and it's really moving product for them. Like it's working well. So, so, okay. Uh, and the reason why, like I had, I had to downgrade my, what I was paying you guys because it was just like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not paying attention. Like I'm not t- do, using this to its full advantage to, to cover the cost of it. Right. You're learning a lot from this golf site. Yes. I feel like you have a ton to offer spe- specifically with what I do. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to like, I mean, we could talk about this offline, I know, but I'd love I know, to just do like, Hey, let's, I can share with you everything we've done. And then you like, it didn't take much time. Cause if you think about it, we're asking one question, swapped out the offer to be a, just a specific thing. That's just responding to what they told us. Right. Sure. And then yep. we have literally two emails in ConvertKit that are sent immediately or not immediately, but one sent immediately, one sent when there's five hours left to their 24 hour window. And that's it. And then you just, did you just like try it on one really popular page first before oh, you no, like site wide? No, we, we, we jumped head first and yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll, yeah. We'll, but I mean, we'll it, 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 it's, it, it completely, you know, I'm used to like selling 300 plus dollar courses where you need a lot of nurturing and trust building and stuff, but this is sure. literally an impulse buy. Golfers spend money ridiculously like, well, and yes, you know, nine bucks for them is not a big deal at all. Nope. So it's just like, let's just, you know, like get them in at a higher volume and convert them out the door. And that's it. Yeah. Um, is there anything you think that we missed as far as like that you think I should know or anyone listening should know about personalization or segmentation or just like sales copy, really? Yeah. I mean, I think like, again, this, this harkens back to my days of just selling people in person, but you know, a lot, so much of it is just listen to what people are saying and react to that and respond to that. Mm-hmm. And I think the person who said it best succinctly to me lately has been Joanna Weeb, where she talks about how great copy is not creation, but it's curation. It's, it's like taking voice customer data, like, yeah. oh, all these people are saying like best things since whatever or whatever, and just throw that on the page. Right. 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 But like, that that assumes a very monolithic audience. So, mm-hmm. you know, what's the the natural next step? I think is to say, well, what if we can segment out, you know, the, the and I'm starting to do that now. Where, like, when we collect qualitative raw data, that's associated with the hard segment data we have now. So we can literally go into a spreadsheet and say, show me every testimonial broken down by these dimensions, and then here's all that stuff, right? Right. So, I would say like. You know, if if you want to take something actionable away from this, hopefully discussion that has been mm-hmm. hopefully well worth the hour and a half, would be <laughs> to um, basically think to yourself, how can I give people on my site a better on my site and over email a better experience, a better user experience? Because the idea mm-hmm. is, if people are more engaged and have a better experience with your stuff, they're more likely to click the add to cart button. So if they stick around longer and they are nodding their head and thinking. All right, yeah. I, I'm the weird saltwater person who thinks I'm a special snowflake. Um, he's saying what I need here. Yeah. I'm going to click that buy button, right? Like that's <laughs> like 
I mean, I really like that though. I like the idea of thinking of it as how do I make the user experience better? Yeah. Where, you know, one of the, when one of the, the things that I've, I usually kind of edit away. Then that's how I think about it is, oh, let's remove pop-ups because that makes the user experience better. Right. But maybe there's just a better way to make pop-ups actually more. Or do what we do and get rid of pop-ups if they're a subscriber. Right. Right. Yeah. Why, why show it? I mean, that especially, yeah. I think that's, that was my, that's, was our early sales tactic was emailing people who I'm on their email list, who I click on a link that they send me advertising their latest blog post and go to their site yeah. and I'm hit with a pop-up. I'm like, I just replied to the email. I'm like, why did you do that? You just email yeah. me. Why yeah. do you want my email? And it's always a tool issue. It's not that they want to do that, but yeah. No. Yeah. And that's the thing. If you think about it that way as, as how do I make this better for the visitor? It usually tends to work. Right, exactly. So I think that's cool. the, at the end of the day, you f- if you can internalize that and think, who are the different types of people going to my site? Start from there. You'll yeah. get, you'll get and, and it's probably worth optimizing. You didn't really increase traffic and you just put a little bit of extra effort into understanding who your audience was and developing sales copy specifically t- for them on the same product. You didn't add more, you didn't change your product. You really just optimized what you had and you saw a massive increase. Yeah, that's it. And obviously, the bigger your site, that's just going to be unbelievable. Yeah, like with the golf site. I mean, they haven't their traffic composition hasn't changed at all. That's it's crazy. Just the conversions on site. Yeah, yeah. Uh, writemessage.com. Yep. That's what we're that's what we're talking about. Um, anything you want to say about write message? Send people there for any reason. Just if you're interested in, in Check doing it out. Work. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I I'm I using better, it. I should have a better uh, call to action, right? Um, no, I mean, uh, look, I'm using it. Um, I, you know, I really want to get better at using it. I think I need to dedicate some time toward, towards it. I told you that after the summer's over, I was like, I'm kind of gung ho and yep. really trying to optimize Swim University for next year and, and for the winter time too. Like, I, 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 I am really leaving a lot of cash on the table in the winter with hot tub shit. Well, because we know a lot of this is new. Um, we actually are, I haven't mentioned this to you yet, but we're, we're, it's, it's nothing official at the moment, but we are, uh, working on a kind of like an, a quick four week accelerator live program online where cool. it's basically just a crash course on like what we've talked about today, both how yeah. to get your email side, right. How do you get the site side, right. And included mm-hmm. in that is like a few months to write message. So that, that'll be, we're going to do a big webinar, that's cool. Tour thingy with that eventually. But we are realizing like, even though we're we're more competitive now with tools like Sumo or OptiMonster than we were in the mm-hmm. past, where we were kind of carving out this new thing and trying to get people to understand it and use it. Sure. Um, it's There's still a lot of thinking in terms of kind of reprogramming kind of how people think about what it means to uh, better engage with an audience on their site and, and mm-hmm. better and put the right products into their hands. Yep. So. And so writemessage.com. Yep. And people can still go to wyourfreelancing.com. Wyourfreelancing. Freelancer. Yep. And you have courses there that they can purchase as well. I do. If you go to freepricingcourse.com, if you want to see a lot of segmentation, personalization, and action, uh, what, what are they called? Um, funnel reverse. What do they call like funnel deconstruction stuff? The internet marketer people all. I'll say oh, it. I don't know. Funnel hack. Okay. Yeah. Funnel hack. Funnel hack. Yeah. Funnel hack it. Yeah. yeah right. Uh, that's at freepricingcourse.com. And you can email me too. I'm pretty open. Uh, Brennan at rightmessage.com. So cool. And I think I want to pitch something else that you are coming out with because I am certainly buying it. Oh, the convert your, kit course. Yeah. Your convert kit course. Yeah. yeah. What's the progress on that? So I've recorded about seven hours of material. 
It'll probably okay. top off at 20 hours. Um, okay. All basically over the shoulder kind of screencasty things, but cool. doing very well. We have about a hundred people now in the early access program. Um, oh, so you already kind of opened it up. Yep. To see. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So people really like it and um, got some big plans with the ConvertKit team to promote it once it's ready to. So sweet. Yeah. That's at uh, doubleyourfreelancing.com awesome. double slash mastering ConvertKit. So mastering ConvertKit, all one word. I think there might be a dash in between. I don't think <laughs> I'll, right. put, I'll put a 301 before this go. goes live. Yeah. Cool. Uh, thanks, Brennan. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on again to re-record this. But I think that this I'm was a little bit this more. Worked. Yes, and I, I think yeah, it was better I, too than last yes, time. Yes, I so. think it uh, it had a little bit more of a, a direction. Yep, I think. Agreed. And, I, and not to go too much into the weeds with like my own shit, but it, uh, sometimes this podcast is very uh, selfish, so. <laughs> uh, which is why we do it. But thank you again for coming on. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I want to thank Jen from GreenBabyDeals.com for sending in my new middle name, Top Hat. Uh, I don't, I don't know what that means, but thank you for sending it in. I, maybe it was something, a reference that I had before and I forget it, but thank you for that middle name. Head over to moneylab.co to read more about our business experiments and challenges. And you can email me, Matt at moneylab.co with topics you'd like us to discuss on the show. And when you do that, please feel free to send me a new middle name. In fact, we'd really love you guys to send in some, um, some topics, guys and gals. So my at moneylab.co. And if you like the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Player FM, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you normally listen to podcasts. And when you do, please leave a review. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Please tell your friends about this show.